Today we will be in 1 Peter chapter 4. You can turn, begin turning your Bibles. And this, we'll have some on this screen in just a few minutes when we're ready to read that scripture. But you need to know that we are in a battle. We're in a battle. This, uh, this week, uh, Camp Blessing received their counselors and some of their staff, and so they're training for a summer-long work of uh, loving on uh, kiddos with disabilities. And uh, our, 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 our youth will be going and working there in a couple of weeks. And it is going to be a battle. As I mentioned a little earlier, our, uh, our summer missionaries are coming. And uh, as they stay here, they end up being here eight weeks. You could just about count on week five Everybody crashing, because <laughs> you can you can kind of fake it for about five weeks and and uh, you know get along on good graces and being nice, but after a while that stuff wears out. You got to have something more in the tank. It's a battle, and as we get to observe all these things happening, we're about to go to Kenya, and uh, it's going to be long lines in airports and uh, going out the bush and all those things. It's going to be a battle. And we're able to observe those short battles, but each of us are in our own battle, aren't we? We have a battle that rages in our minds and our hearts, a struggle that isn't just flesh and blood. In fact, it's something much greater than that, something that is not seen. And so we are in an epic battle, and we need some help. Enduriel, sort of Aragon. Some of you know what I'm talking about already. I know, I knew you were going to say what. You're just going to hang on, all right? Formerly known in ages past as Narsil, broken to pieces in the Battle of Daggerlad. And in its possessor, the evil king Sauron. And many ages later, pieces of the swords were reforged and carried into battle by Aragon in the Fellowship of the Ring. This sword, also known as the Flame of the Wests. Some of you got really geeky there and were so excited. <laughs> this is a, a mythical story, a mythical sword, a mythical story. A sword that wields great power. But you know, that's the, that's the beauty of myth, of these, uh, these fictional tales. They are helpful for us to, to see the world around us and, and couch it in a story that, that we can understand because it reflects so well the way that we live our lives. There is an evil that, that mounts against us. And there's always these stories in all different cultures and places that oftentimes have this kind of mythical sword, some kind of mythical weapon that is wielded by some great savior. Can you think of one yourself? Can you think of maybe Thor's hammer, right? Mjolnir. Yeah. Mjolnir. Thank you. My Nordic is not so strong these days. And then Excalibur, right? Stuck in the stone, only King Arthur could pull from. 
formerly in the, the lake of the lady. We have these stories of these great weapons and we needed them because the world around us is grander and greater than we can overcome. And there has to be someone who can carry such a weapon. This story is reflective of humanity. These stories are reflective of humanity, the, the way things are. But we have the truth. We have a truth that has redounding effect into our lives today. That there is a Savior who carries a sword. And he has won the day for us. But this is a greater story than any myth. Because in this story, the one who carries the sword has now not just wielded himself, but now he has passed it on to his people. Can you imagine? And now we are being, we've been given the gifts. Oh, we'll talk about that later. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 4. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves. You see where we're going? Arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. Living for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do. Living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With these, with, with, with respect to this, they, they are surprised when you don't want to join them in the same flood of debauchery. And they malign you. But they will give an account. To him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the way the Spirit, live in the Spirit the way God does. Arm yourselves. Today, as we look at 1 Peter chapter 4, we're going to see that we are to arm ourselves. There are two things, two ways to arm ourselves. It's first to know the truth and to live out the marching orders of Christ. Arm yourselves so your life won't be wasted, that you won't be carried away by these human passions that we live by, that you will be able to live a full life, a free life for the purpose of the will of God. Prepare yourself. This is a life of suffering. It is a battle. But let us approach these sufferings as Jesus approached these sufferings in this same way. He's saying, Peter is saying to, to the churches that you need to have this sword. And this sword, this, this arming, we see in Ephesians chapter 6, we see that there is an arming of ourselves, a preparation for this spiritual battle. There is a, a belt of truth. There is a sword that is the Spirit of God, the, the Word is our sword. Prepare yourself, arm yourself for this battle that is in front of us. Jesus lived out that truth. He lived out the word. He was in John 1, the word of God. How did he slice through life? He sliced through life with the truth, with a belt of truth. 
so that he could combat all kinds of troubles. You see, most of our struggle comes from the fact that we don't claim the truth. The world is is continually giving us a a wrong picture of ourselves and, and, and what the world is all about and what life is all about. And we have to continually come back and say, but this, this is the truth. That's how Jesus lived his life. Uh, throughout his temptation, Satan kept coming and saying, no, this is what it's about. And he said, no, no, this is the word of God. This is the purpose. He kept coming back to the word, God's word, living out the word of God. In the midst of our sufferings, we must first know our weapon of having the same thoughts as Christ, thinking like Christ does. So to live the rest of our time, not in the flesh, but with Christ. The truth is, the truth is, we had an old way. And now, now there is a new way. You know, when you first came to faith, you had, you had friends that you hung out with, Right? It's kind of funny, actually, when it says here that uh, for the time the past suffices for doing what the Gentiles did, that, that they were, in some translation, plunged into debauchery. <laughs> that, that word plunged is actually, it means to, to run with. So what it's really saying is, you know, the guys, the gals you used to run with, your running buddies? You remember when you used to do all those things together and you thought that was how you lived life? That's broken. Don't go back to that. They are, they are moved by their sensualities and passions and drunkenness. And now when you stand aside from that and when you don't participate with you, what happens? You suffer because they don't no longer get along with you. You aren't participating. You aren't being the running buddy that was so fun to get drunk with, to, to spend Saturday, Friday and Saturday night with. You, you aren't enjoyable. And by you not participating, you condemn them. You don't even have to say a word. You ever been there? You say, I'm not doing that. Thing. Oh, well, who are you? I know who you are. I remember all the things we did together. And now you all are high and mighty. You don't have to say a word. And so there are different kinds of sufferings. And one of the sufferings we have, especially for you young believers, know that as you can't participate and don't participate with your running buddies and the things you used to do, there's going to be some suffering. You should expect it. They're going to look at you differently. They are going to feel condemned by your very presence and not doing those things. And all that. The joy and the friendship and the happiness and whatever you thought was there is going to, it's going to dry up. Because y'all were running, we are running in a different pattern than the pattern that God has for us. We were living like the Gentiles. All crazy. But it's a new day. They're, they're surprised by the way you live. But we're no longer to live like that. Because God judges. God judges uh, those who've gone before us. and He judges us now, the living and the dead. He, he judges those who are even righteous, those who are his people. Don't forget, just because you come to faith doesn't mean there is not judgment for you as well. 
God is still watching. His judgment is both to the Gentiles and to the house of God. And so we need to be be careful that some of our suffering is self-inflicted. Amen. Some of our suffering comes from our friends and some of it comes from our own doing. Some comes from the evil that is in the world, the fallen state that the world is in. There is going to be suffering. So how are we going to suffer? Well, know this. Our days are short. Now, they seem long, don't they? Jesus could return at any minute. The saints for all time have been expectantly waiting. And this is why the gospel was preached when it says to the living and the dead, it was preached to those who are now dead so that they might find life. It's been preached to us today, but it's been preached for the last 2,000 years. Come and follow Jesus. Let him change your life forever. Hebrews chapter uh, 12, we just listened to. We, the, we see this, this hall of faith. At Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about the, this, this hall of faith and all these righteous people who have, who have suffered in the flesh. And it gives these, these horrible ways that they've suffered in the flesh. But they carried the sword of the Spirit. They lived the sword of the Spirit. This is the work of God's people. We are always going to be suffering. And so he says, remove yourself from human passions living in sensuality and drunkenness and drinking parties. You see, all of these, if you, if you pile them up, and you see these marching orders that are right after them. He's saying, you were living, we were living in such a way that it was all about us. How do I satisfy me? How do I help me? And no longer are we to live like that. We are to live self-controlled. Here's a good question to ask yourself. Do you have any of these kind of sensualities? Do you have any of these things that lack control? Put yourself to the test. Is there something that you enjoy so much that you can't stop it? Like when you say, okay, you're good. Just for the next month, don't do that thing. Maybe it's even chocolate. I mean, sometimes chocolate will get you. <laughs> or maybe it's alcohol. I mean, it can even be silly things like being on your phone. Is it, oh, it's bigger grown than usual. But is there something that so captivates you, that so satisfies you that you couldn't do without it for a, a period of time? Check yourself. Sensualities, those passions in us. Are you in control or is it in control of you? Verse 7. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. 
As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is the one who speaks the oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. He begins by saying, you need to wield the sword. You need to understand what the truth is. People of God, we have to understand who God has called us to be and who we are in Jesus Christ. You've got to know the truth. The second thing is because that truth is real in your life, it should cause you to act in a different way, to cast off those old passions and take on a new kind of living. A, live, a living that is self-controlled, a, a living that, that says, I'm going to put all things subject to Christ. And he says here, now, you need to be able to pray. You need to be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. We cannot wield the sword. We can have no spiritual power unless we have a powerful prayer life. But our prayers are hindered because we give in to the debauchery, because we give in to those old ways again that shouldn't be. So hard for us to have sweet fellowship with God and, and the power that comes from that relationship when we've, we've grown cold to him. How is your prayer life? I often hear, and I have felt before, like it feels like my prayers are like right here. They never get anywhere. I don't feel close to God when I pray. I, I don't see any, any, any results in my prayer. The reason oftentimes is because we are not faithful in the things of God. We have sin, unconfessed sin. We have not repented from our sins. And, and so as those still cloud our minds, we're not able to have either sweet fellowship with them or the power that goes with that fellowship. Some years ago, there was a, a guy who w was driving the buses for, for a jam. And I really, I didn't know him very well. And he began to introduce himself. And he had a really good professional career. Uh, he was in law enforcement. He'd uh, been part of uh, security details for presidents, a well-accomplished, smart guy. But here he was, unemployed and living in a lot of suffering. He had some back problems and he had some problems with his superiors and his whole career had fallen apart and he was suffering. And he's in the middle of this suffering driving this bus with a bunch of jam kids. Now, that's not, the that's not the favorite job of jam, I'll be honest with you. And I'm wondering, what is, what is going on? And he would sit and tell me these, uh, his prolonged, protracted story of suffering after suffering. And I was like, this is so heavy. But then he said, I, I also want to tell you about a, a man by the name of Francois Fenelon. And he was an 18th century uh, 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 Roman Catholic pietist. And he said, I've been reading this book, and he, it's actually a, carrying a, a, a gathering of his letters that he's sending to his friend, and he's saying over and over again, as he writes this letter to his friends, in this life, there is much suffering. 
In this life, there's much suffering. In this life, there's much suffering. Do you hear that voice as well? In this life, there is much suffering. All kinds of suffering. Fenelon goes on to say, God never stops speaking to us. But the noise of the world without and the tumult of our passions within bewilder us and prevent us from listening to him. Let me say it again. God never ceases to speak to us, but the noise of the world without and the tumult of our passions within bewilder us and prevent us from listening to him. We as a people of God need to cast off those old ways and put on the new person in Christ Jesus. We need to focus on what the truth is. Our, our prayer life is oftentimes hindered. We saw uh, in chapter three that there's a, a break in the relationship between husband and wife and the relationship between the husband and God when he treats the wife poor, his wife poorly. You see there, our sin encumbers our right relationship with God. So there is neither sweet fellowship nor the power that goes with it. You know, as I was thinking about our bus driver, and he's going through all these tough times. His life is pretty miserable, struggling even with his relationship with his wife. And then I hear these words of God, go and love your neighbor. The third thing that he's saying here in 1 Peter, the right way to living, of living is to love one another, to love one another earnestly, to show hospitality without grumbling to use your gifts for others. And you hear those words and you're saying, I'm in the midst of suffering and here is God telling me, go love somebody else. Well, I don't got time for loving somebody else because I'm pretty miserable. Where am I going to get the energy for them when I got to take care of me, right? And so it's almost as if, how can you hear these words of God to go love someone else when you're in the midst of suffering? The only way you can hear that is when you are convinced of the love of God. The only time you can hear those words is when you're in sweet fellowship with him. So this doesn't work if we have a hindered spiritual life, a hindered prayer life. So what should we do? Continue to pray. Flee the old way of living and fill your life with the truth. You used to live in in old, the old, destructive way, satisfying our wants and longings, objectifying others, always wanting what others have that's not yours, somebody else's body, somebody else's affection, someone else's positions or, 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 or power. What we should do instead is look at each other, not to objectify, not for what each other has, not for each other's uh, affections, but we look to each other with earnest love, enduring, without ceasing. This word earnestly loving others means to do without ceasing, continually, constantly. The word in Greek uh, is the word uh, ektene, which means to stretch out, to stretch out. In our love for each other, we should Stretch out. We should reach out the hand. But it's also when you reach out, 
you also can kind of get stretched out too, right? And that becomes a continual problem for us as, as we begin to love each other and, and, and love each other earnestly. As we show hospitality, we get used up in the process and it requires us to come back to Jesus again. So in week five at JAM, we are preaching to our, our counselors saying, look, you are at the end of your rope and that's exactly where you need to be because Jesus is your only hope. And if you don't come to him, you're going to get burned up and eat up. So come, enjoy him, come to him and ask those things that you need to ask for your strength and your hope and your joy. As everything else around you seems to fall apart, you, you don't have the, the, the tools, you, you don't know how to handle other people, you don't have, come back to Jesus who has, who has it all and take a, a grab of the sword. For the sword of the spirit, the word of God fits your hand well, people of God. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Hospitality is, first of all, it, it's meant for strangers. It means to bring other people into your life. I have a confession to make. Uh, Anna and I have been walking over <laughs> Jackson Street Park. And so we get over there and there's one car there. And we're walking around and we see that person walking the opposite direction. And all I can think is, I, I want to find a way that I don't have to even come across another person. Isn't that terrible? I don't want to have to talk to anybody. Some of you are there with me. I don't want to have to make chit chat. I just want to be left alone. Anybody left alone party? Okay, we have a left alone parties. All right, good. Don't come to the park, Jackson Street Park. No, I come. You see, that is not just an inclination according to your disposition as a person. That's just sin. We don't want to engage the stranger, right? Does it, we really don't want to. Our flesh doesn't want to engage the stranger. We don't want to give something that we don't expect anything back from. So people of God, we should be faithful about showing hospitality to welcoming people in our homes and welcoming them into our lives. I want to tell you, church, if we have people, I'm sorry if you're visiting today because you're about to be inundated with people. But if you are visiting today, when we have visitors in the church, you should, everyone should be looking like, how am I going to connect with that person? How am I going to say hello and at least greet them as they're a stranger in this place? As these missionaries come who are strangers to this place, they should be inundated with the love of God's people. The people who walk on the track at 6.30 on, on Tuesday mornings they should be inundated with the love of Christ without grumbling. <laughs> Have you found that? You start out good, you're, you're, you're showing hospitality, and you're like, by the end of it. Amen. Without grumbling. We show hospitality to strangers. We show hospitality to each other. That we have our eyes for one another. And we have our eyes for our neighbors. And finally he says. Use your gifts to serve one another. You see that this focus. Changes from 
all, it's all about me. How can I satisfy these longings and I'm broken and hurting inside? He said, now, now, because you have the truth, the truth is you all, you are all right in Jesus Christ, that you have a, a homeland that you're returning to. You are the elect. You are special in God's sight. So live that out with your eyes toward each other. And you will find that as you have your eyes towards your neighbors and you're serving and you're giving of yourself, actually the opposite of what you might expect happens. Your life becomes full. So give your life away. Use your gifts to serve one another. As God gives us varied graces and, and abilities, he, he gives several, he lists a couple here. He, he lists the gift of serving. He lists the uh, gifts of the word. And we see in Corinthians and other places, these gifts. And as they give these gifts, there's sometimes eight or 12 or 10 that are listed. They're not meant to be an exact list of the only gifts there are, but there are lots of gifts that God gives his people so they might be used for his glory. And so last week, as we served Mexican food together, Miss Maria made us this awesome, not one kind of salsa, but four types of salsa. What a grace that she had avocados floating in salsa. Who does that? She showed up after being up all night, taking care of a friend who was dying. And she brought us salsa. It was a gift. Use your gifts to serve each other, to bless each other. Mm. As those who give the word, as if the words themselves were the oracles of God. So when you speak and tell the truth, whether it's from this stage or whether it's in the living room, understand that the word of God is not something to be trifled with. It is the power of God in our lives. So when you speak the word of God, as you study, as you share with others, understand it is life giving. Understand that these are the oracles of God. And all of this unfolds as we become those who grab the sword, the sword of the spirit, the word of God, and we begin to wield it in our lives, and we begin to fight spiritual battles, and we see how the kingdom of, of God overcomes the world. And all of this is done, not so that we look like great sword slayers, but to the glory of our king. As his truth reigns in our world, and changes everything it touches. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your, your word that instructs, inspires, corrects, and shows us the, the way. And Lord, we just ask that we be faithful wielders of the sword. Your power would overcome. And Lord, we end by asking your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen.